she was one of those people that I didn't really appreciate the movie making a joke out of her because she's clearly. Oh my god! Are you okay? Oh, did Bill Bill startled me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be right back. Okay, sounds good. You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide, wide world of streaming teen rom-coms. I am your co-host, Martha Sullivan, YA librarian without a library and YA lit connoisseur. And I am joined today, as always, by my co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, a rom-com enthusiast, um, an adult services librarian, um, who I have been instructed to say we... We have an online-only library, which was an interesting webinar speak <laughs> that I heard. Uh, I mean, but, it's, it's true. Yeah, but yeah, also also work in that online library life. Um. So first of all, we're back. Woo! Welcome back, everybody. Sorry for that unintentional hiatus. If you are a listener to Did You Do Your Homework, you know that it is completely my fault. I take full responsibility. I had some pretty serious brain issues going on during the month of February, but I am back and ready to help you during these uh, new and trying times to bring you a little dose of something light and fluffy and unimportant, but also deeply important uh, into your ears every other week. Um, This week... We are talking about the 2016 Australian film Emo the Musical. Uh, Emo the Musical was directed by Neil Triffitt, uh, and it stars Benson Jack Anthony as Ethan, Jordan Hare as Trinity, Rayhart Adams as Bradley, and a variety of other Australian teenagers doing their Australian high school thing. Quick synopsis of Emo the Musical. It is, as it says on the tin, a musical. Uh, It is the story of Ethan, who, when the movie opens, is being expelled from his private school after attempting suicide in the courtyard. Uh, He has been transferred to public school, I believe. Yes. It's, yes. Um, one of the ongoing jokes through the movie is how the school has no money and has to be sponsored by uh, serotonin antidepressants, uh, which was honestly one of the better gags going yes. through the movie. Um, and on the first day of school, two things happen. One, he falls in love with Trinity, a good Catholic school girl. Or a, she is a girl who is catholic their school isn't catholic but she is a good christian girl Uh, and also he joins an emo band headed by bradley um and then the movie follows the course of ethan as he tries to have a relationship with trinity despite their uh misaligned values um he tries to keep his relationship secret because he knows that he would not be able to stay in an emo band if they found out that he had a Christian girlfriend um, and she keeps it a secret because she's a Christian and therefore anti-emo. She tries to secretly baptize him in one of the more 
Oh, we will get into Ishi, that. Ishi scenes of the film. Um, but the whole film kind of culminates in... Uh, it, they are leading up to a battle of the bands, um, which happens about halfway through the movie... Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a little later. I think they have their later. initial school like bout, but then the the actual proper like like region wide it, it kind of goes throughout the movie because yeah, yeah they have their their smaller school level competition and then they have the regional competition at the end um, where they are performing for apparently one of Australia's most noted emo people. Yeah. So, before this happens, um, Ethan burns Trinity's Bible in an effort to keep their relationship a, relationship a secret. She tries to baptize him. They break up. Um, they both have fairly d- disastrous moments in the school. And, tw- and almost into at the, the climax of the movie involves the band burning down the chapel of the school right before the ultimate Battle of the Bands performance. Supposedly, we are supposed to learn a lesson about how everybody should be true to themselves instead of trying to fit in or conform with the ideals and choices of other people. Uh, How well do we think this movie accomplishes that (laughs) well i'm thinking about i think we should start with the good because there there are a few good things going on in this movie please Um, tell me the good things going on in this movie the first the first is actually some of the music is quite catchy um really i i found myself especially and i don't know why of all of them the come with me to church song stuck in my head for several days after um, I, I really did find some of the songs quite catchy. Um, I particularly, I think my favorite of all of them was um, one of the subplots features one of Trinity's Christian friends um, who is gay but has been sent to a, um, oh my God, a con- therapy. conversion therapy program. And so keeps giving himself keeps giving himself electric shock when he's near the boy he has a crush on um who has a crush on him back and i i think in the movie's best scene um they finally admit they have crushes on each other and there's a lovely little song all about you know shocks um i i actually i really enjoyed that scene quite a bit um, i liked i liked that song i thought that was one of the most affecting scenes in the movie um i liked the come with me to church remix that they play as like the big battle of the bands song yes. when it's like three, um, three of the previous songs kind of all overlaced together. Yeah. I, I, that also I thought was okay. Otherwise I really felt like the music was pretty mediocre and maybe that was part of why I feel so negatively about this movie okay. is because I love musicals and I, I think that a good book for a musical can, save sort of a lackluster story and i just felt like most of this music was really forgettable i trinity has a song called jesus was an emo when she's like singing in her confessional group and i fast forwarded through it i couldn't i couldn't deal with it yeah i mean i definitely wouldn't say like the music was amazing but i think it i think it was one of the stronger points of the movie um my yeah, and again, I, I, there were those few like notable songs that really kind of stuck out to me. I mean, I don't know that I would say the whole score was great, 
But um, I think in terms of the movie's strengths, I think the other, one of the other strengths this movie has is, whoa, did I believe those two leads, like, wanted to bone. Like, I, that was some chemistry I bought. Like, particularly, like, their scenes in the library, like, mm-hmm. wanting to make out, but also not wanting to make out, make out. Like, I, I bought a lot of the chemistry between the leads. Um, yeah, I thought I thought overall the acting was pretty solid. I just thought the material that they had to work with wasn't great. Like I thought Bradley is the leader of the band. I thought he was very compelling, and I also thought that his sort of whole role in the movie was trash. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Bradley. Oh, we will talk about Bradley. I have all sorts of thoughts about how that played out. Um, and I I do just want to give before we can slide into the negative here. I wanted to give one last positive note to what you alluded to earlier. The whole storyline about the school being funded by a serotonin company. I thought that was hilarious. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the teacher and her kind of attempts to, to juggle, you know, being there for her students and keeping her own mental sanity and also being forced to hand out serotonin. Um, well, and as she becomes, like, the only teacher still at the school. Yes. So I really enjoyed that storyline. I thought that was that was very clever. Um, and I mean, I don't know anything about the Australian public education system, but you know, if my experience in the American public education system has taught me anything, um, it seemed pretty spot on and some pretty good commentary. Um, but yeah, that that kind of ends the the things I enjoyed about this movie. We can transition to the ways in which it was a roaring dumpster fire. Well, the one thing I actually will say um, about that is I the movie clearly has an idea of what its message is. Like it it really wants to be a movie about being yourself under the face of like peer pressure and wanting to impress other people. I really think that the strength of the movie is actually that it's okay to feel things because the kind of sidebar of that whole medication sponsorship, um, plot, like B plot is that at a certain point, like kids are starting to get suspended for crying in school. Like it becomes against the rules to feel anything except happy. And then finally, um, the teacher, uh, whose name is Mrs. Doyle, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, until she is finally like, you know what? No, we're not going to take your money. My, my kids are going to like, we're, gonna do whatever we want we're public education we're gonna do whatever we want and you know ends up spurning the the money um the sponsorship money which i thought lended itself very well to the idea that like it's okay to be sad it's okay to be angry you can feel these things in a healthy way and kind of the artificiality of um the, the drug sponsorship was causing people to feel things in unhealthy ways. Well, and I think that, you know, all the characters get their resolution by admitting, hey, this is how I feel. Like, one particularly kind of icky subplot is that there are two um, other kids in Trinity's Christian group um, who have been having 
a fling, even though the guy insists that he's into Trinity and he should date Trinity as, you know, they're both good Christian kids. Um, but he's clearly into this other girl and we figure out that he has gotten this other girl pregnant. Um, and this poor other girl, whose name I'm forgetting, but I shouldn't forget because she's the same actress who played one of the main characters as in Blockers. And she was Jamali. Great. Jamali, yep. And she is great in Blockers, just as a, a plug for that movie. Um, but yeah, and finally at the end, she kind of unleashes the torrent of, hey, this is not okay. Um... And, you know, the movie also kind of releases him from his, like, oh, well, I'm clearly into this other girl, but I must be with Trinity. Um, And also is just kind of like, yeah, and he's also just kind of a scumbag. Um, So I I liked that, yeah, the, a lot of those plot lines were resolved that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially in terms of releasing feelings, I think one thing... That I actually, I, I think you, it sounds like you might have enjoyed more than me, was the whole Bradley storyline. Um, I don't know that I would say that I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the actor who played Bradley. I thought that Rayhart Adams did a good job as Bradley. Okay, I, did not, yeah. I did not enjoy <laughs> kind of his whole deal yeah because uh, yeah i think that that was one of the harder things to stomach about the movie was just like how incredibly toxic he is um and like he gets that he like gets away with all of this stuff at the end like uh well he does end up going to prison Oh, he does. Okay, I guess it has been long enough. I forgot that. But like, yeah, he he pulls a knife on, um, the the, the rocker guy. Yeah, he he pulls a knife on Isaac, who's the head of the Christian group, um, and then his band gets to play. But also at the end, he get he does get arrested. Oh, he does. Okay, good. I'm I am glad. I. I did forget that he at least does get arrested. Um, well, and nor like I, I do feel like he was kind of. I felt like a redemption story arc for him was missing. Like a lot of people in this movie get to have the kind of realization, like, oh, now I get to be who I really am, and apparently Bradley, who Bradley really is, is just a dickbag. Which I guess is realistic. There are people in the world who are just stick bags, but that's also not why I watch this kind of movie. Yeah, for for realism. Fair enough. Yeah, it it would have been, I think it would have been a more fun choice to see Bradley come out of his like Pete once wannabe show. Um, but. Yeah, he was. Just, that was just like a hard character and storyline for me to stomach. I think I had the most trouble with Roz. Oh yeah. So Roz is the drummer, no, the bass player in the emo band, and one of the first things that happens once Ethan joins the band is that she says that it is tradition for the bass player and the backup guitarist to date. 
and now we are like the emo power couple in school and he has no interest in dating her and she has no interest in the fact that he has no interest in dating her and she finally gets a song when they go on a date that's basically don't leave me alone and is very like emotionally manipulative um yeah and i guess unlike bradley she does get her redemption arc in terms of it, it turns out what she's really interested in, and is it basketball? It's it, being in sports. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she actually, like, really enjoys sports. And so at the end of the movie, she gets to say, oh, hey, I'm going to be on this team. Um, but yeah, which she hasn't, Which she hasn't been able to do because Bradley is so controlling that, like, no one gets to do anything except like no one gets to do anything outside of what he considers appropriate for the emo group <sighs> which all sounds it all feels so oppressive were you were you part of a clique like this in high school like not an emo clique but like one of the typed out no were you a, a theater kid or a like nerd or any no. of that was that a big thing at your high school I was kind of a loner in high school. I didn't really... I mean, I did some theater. I was the captain of the speech team. I was pretty into academics, but there wasn't really, like, a group for that. I, like, dabbled in friend groups, but I wasn't really, like, in any of them. I guess the one, like, more solid friend group I had were... Um, we were all super into anime. Um... We watch a lot of anime and Supernatural. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely wasn't... We we had some kids like this, I guess, in my high school. My high school was pretty rigidly clicky. Like, my, my class in particular was noted as a very clicky class. Like, we, we were pretty infamous. Um, but, so I, so I kind of understood that going on. But I, yeah, it was pretty disassociated in high school <laughs> yeah i was on i was on crew for a while i actually i got kicked well so i was on stage crew as a freshman and sophomore year i started the year on it and then eventually left because i joined the synchronized swimming team and when the shop foreman found out that i had joined that he said I either had to quit, um, I had to quit Synchro, otherwise there was no chance that I would ever get, um, like, any show positions. Like, I would never wow. get to be, um, like, a named rigger or lighter or, like, get to do anything cool, basically. So that was when I quit Stage Crew, because <laughs> I was like, this sucks um but other than that i was a nerd <laughs> um and I, I i don't think things were unfriendly across click groups but there definitely were click groups um like it was weird for me to do a sport and mm -hmm. also be like in the sci-fi club um gotcha but yeah, so Roz has a hard time, and then at the end, she's like, 
I actually, I, I can't remember now. So she shows up at the Battle of the Bands in her basketball kit and is like, after this, I'm going to go play in the finals. And Bradley has a hissy fit about it. And then I'm not honestly sure how that resolves. I assume she goes because Bradley gets arrested. Yeah, I think um, we see, I think we, if I'm remembering correctly, we see a shot of her like just kind of going off and being like, yep, I'm going to go play basketball. Good for her. But yeah, her whole story just made me really sad. I just wanted good things for her because, I don't know, there were, the movie has tone problems. Like, there are some things where I did not, I didn't think it was written well enough for the joke to land, and then it just made me sad. Like, her song was not funny to me. It was just like, oh, this is... This is emotional abuse, what you're doing right now. And I don't appreciate it being used for a laugh, I guess. Yeah, I think in, like, kind of vacillating dramatically back and forth between, like, the emo embrace all dark emotion and the serotonin popper, like happiness is the only way like I think I think that if this movie really wanted to say something about like finding who you are and like tolerance for other people like it it had to recognize there's a very valid middle ground there that's like not parody um and I think it gets there at moments. And I, I think that's where the chemistry between the two leads help it. Uh, like, I will say... Because those are kind of the only moments that like really felt like the movie took seriously. And like the right balance of seriously. Like, this Although isn't it... overwhelming emotion. And this isn't overwhelming happiness. You know. It was a little weird for me to have Trinity be the mouthpiece. Like, she... Okay, back up. So, after Ethan kind of explosively falls out with the emo band, he joins the Christian group so that he can still play at the Battle of the Bands and as a way to um, make up for some of the horrible stuff he's done throughout the movie. And Isaac says, well, you have to be baptized to join our band. And he says, okay, whatever. And then Trinity finds him being baptized. And that's when she's like, or he says, I thought this is what you wanted. And she says, when will you start doing what you want instead of what other people want you to do? Which I thought was real rich coming from her. Right. Who had already tried to secret baptize him which i also don't think you can do i think that that's yeah no i think explicitly yeah Um, i'm pretty sure a central like component of baptism is that the person has to be willing but yeah i was like when and i guess it's I guess it's the Jesus was an emo song that is her kind of turning point. Because I was like, wait, you spent half the movie trying to get him to be something that he is not. I think we're supposed to be led to believe that this is character development for her. Okay. That line... Because I also think that's the first time that she's told him anything like that. So I did not blame him for being confused when she's like... You know... 
do what you want rather than what people want you to because up until that point to her or to him she's been very like come to church with me <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah i think we were supposed to see that as growth um but yeah but yeah i don't think the movie took enough time to really lead us there. I, I also think, like, a big problem is that there's just, like, too much going on. Like, if they had cut maybe one subplot um, and, like, had more actual scenes between songs, like, I think we, we could have been led on the journey a little more um, rather than just being told this is where we are now. Yeah. Um, but like they Ethan and Trinity apparently like they have this movie could have used more montages because they they refer to their relationship as like we were seeing each other and I was like when (laughs) you had like one scene together in Trinity's bedroom and that was it in like secret makeouts in the library like we needed we needed a montage of the two of them like going places and then having hilarious diving behind plants so that they aren't seen by other people um we needed just something to indicate that they actually spent time together we needed and i i hate to say this but we needed them to take a page out of the kissing booth and at the very least, the kissing booth had that montage to be like, oh, yeah, they're dating now. Yeah. It, time in this movie felt very strange. Like, I have no idea how much time actually passed during the course of this movie. I don't either. And I don't know if that's, like, a function of the fact I don't know how Australian school terms work. Um, I don't know that's if, about- like... If someone who is Australian would recognize, like, ah, yes, they referred to this. So this is how, like, this is how long this movie is taking. You know, the same way in that, like, a movie set in American high school, we would recognize, like, oh, you're talking about, you know, the prom. So we have gone to May, you know, like, I I don't know if if someone... who who is more familiar would understand. But, yeah, certainly, like... The movie did not give us that information. So how would we have fixed this movie? Um, I think we, like I said, I think we could cut a subplot. I personally would cut the Christian boy getting the other girl pregnant. I think we didn't need that. Yeah, Um, I think we already had enough material going to not like the, the Christian kid leader. Yeah, Um, like, he was obnoxious enough as it was. We didn't need to see him, like, also be heinous to this other girl. Um, And I I I, think we... I think we needed, like, another duet or two um, between the leads. You know what I would have traded the pregnancy subplot with for? Hmm. Um, I would have traded that for more between Jamali and the drummer of the emo band. Oh. whose name is Peter 
they at the very end they have a little moment of connection where he asks her out for quote unquote church or a beer or anything and she <laughs> says let's go to the science museum which was wonderful um but if they like i think that would have worked better as a subplot um right like they also concealing a relationship or just like them kind of both being attracted to each other like trading little glances or making comments or whatever and then at the end of the movie it's like all right let's go out on a date like that that is a i feel like that is a relationship trope in teen rom-coms where you have the two side characters who like the whole movie are like i'm into you and then at the very end it's like all right now let's go out for dinner or whatever oh i think that yeah that is a time under rom-com tradition i just saw that and i rewatched the movie little italy which is on amazon prime last night um, which I have to admit I enjoyed way more than I probably should, um, just because I thought Emma Roberts was so charming. Um, but they have a very analogous storyline to that of, like, the two deliver. it's about two rival pizza places and the two delivery people, and they're, like, next door to each other, and the two delivery people eye each other up the whole movie, and then finally in the last scene, like, they dance together, and it's, yay. So something like that. Yeah, I would have had, I would have given Bradley more dimension. Like, I, I feel almost like he could have used a song that's about, that's not like a band song, but was about like, this is who I am. And I don't need him to secretly be like, I'm an emo, but secretly I love to paint or whatever. But just something that is more internal. Um, even... Even if that internal life is just that he fully embraces the emo lifestyle. Like, yeah, because he's just so over the top. Um, yeah, I just would have enjoyed something that made him more of a person. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also think we need to excess or excise the forcible baptism scene. I think it just doesn't work. It goes against what the movie's trying to do. I think maybe a moment in which Trinity's like, well, hey, if you've, like, left the emo community, like, you should think about getting baptized, would have worked. They could have um, done it. They could have done it as part of a montage. Like, if they'd had a joking scene. So she tells a story about spilling water on somebody and that being, like, a secret baptism. If they'd had a montage, they could have had a scene where they go out and her start to, like, spill water on Ethan and have him be like, oh, no, no, and, like, catch her doing it and turn it into a joke that way, and then they both can, like, laugh it off and have sure. that it. Sure. Yeah, I think we just, we lose so much, like, rooting for Trinity when she does that, um, that it just, it, it's hard to come back from. And I think as we're talking about this, I think what I wanted, I wanted this to be more purely a comedy. I don't know that the tone shifting works as well as it could have with stronger writing. And I think a lot of the kind of plots and stories that they deal with, you could have done as 
kind of purely comedic and then it all would have been of a piece we wouldn't have been getting tonal whiplash like I, I i almost feel like i could have stood the joke of raz's song better if the movie as a whole had been more consistently funny it was the the trying to juggle more serious tonal things that then ended up just feeling kind of farcical that didn't work for me yeah, I, I can I can see that, and I I think the problem is, like in a situation where you're trying to do those things and you're trying to blend the tone, like say for example Glee, like Glee gets to blend those tones because it has so much time with its characters that it can take take the time to move from a comedic plotline to a dramatic plotline and back. Like this movie doesn't have that. And this is basically a season of Glee only in 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that if it really wanted to be, and I don't know why, did you ever see the movie Down With Love with Renee Zellweger and Ewan McGregor? It did. Okay, so I think in some ways, like, there is a, like, deeply stylized, like, farcical musical in here, like, similar to that. Um, is Down With Love a musical? Um, there were musical numbers in it, I guess I should say. There, okay. There's, um, especially at the end, there's a big musical number. But I yeah, I guess you're right. Again. I guess oh, it's darn. not. <laughs> it's so good. I know, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, I guess it's not properly a musical. There's just, like, there's a musical number, I think, in the middle, but it's, like, a diegetic. And then at the end, there's a big musical number with the main characters. Okay. Uh, that I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I mean, that movie is just all, like, it is dealing with heavy topics through farce. Um, and I, I think there's a movie in here somewhere that wants to do that. Um, but it's just, like, it just doesn't lean hard enough into it to, like, really go for it. Yeah. So it's, like, weirdly both, like, trying to do too much and not enough. That, yeah, that actually encapsulates pretty perfectly how I feel about it. <laughs> it's like, too much. This movie is only 90 minutes and it felt like seven years. I had to watch it in two chunks, which is ridiculous <laughs> for a 90-minute movie. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I, sure I took a break. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I took a break as well. Yeah. Yeah, too much and also not enough, I think is the perfect description of this movie. Okay, um, so what should our, our listeners view or read instead? Um, so I, for Did You Do Your Homework, my other podcast, um, I watched a movie called Anna in the Apocalypse recently, which is a teen musical. It's a teen genre blending musical also, only in that one, it's zombies. It oh. takes place in Britain. Um, during over Christmas and during a zombie apocalypse. And that is my recommendation because the whole time I was watching this, I wished the music in Emo, the musical, was as good as it is in Anne and the Apocalypse, which truly has a boppable soundtrack. You can rent Anna and the Apocalypse on Amazon. Um, and also the soundtrack is available for streaming on Hoopla if your library subscribes to that service. Oh, good to know. 
Um, what would you recommend for our listeners, Maren? Well, this is good because I think we're leaning into the exact opposite parts of this movie. Um, so I'm actually going to double down on the drama part of this movie. And I'm going to recommend The Ones Who Got Away by Roni Lauren, um, which is a 2018 um, adult romance novel um, that kind of starts with a similar scenario to this movie where, um, although reverse gender roles the like popular jock um is dating kind of the the punk girl um secretly and then there is a school shooting and so it flashes forward 12 years um and it very beautifully um deals with the fallout of this school shooting um and these two characters reconnect, and I am a sucker for a second chance romance. That is one of my catnip tropes of romance novels. Um, but yeah, so these two characters reconnect, um, you know, 12 years after this horrible tragedy. Um, and it's just a, a lovely and poignant, um, book, um, that I think does what this movie wants to do in terms of, you know, talking about how to be true to yourself and, um, and although in this case, in the, in the wake of a, an awful, awful tragedy. So, The Ones Who Got Away by Ronnie Lauren. It is the start of a four book series. The fourth one and the fourth and last in the series just came out, um, a few weeks ago. So I highly recommend it. Have you read Shelter in Place by Nora Roberts? I have read many Inorars, but I don't think I have read that one. Let me look. That one's that one's a recent one, like within the last couple of years. It is about um, the book opens with a very graphic um, mall shooting that happens in oh. the movie theater of a mall, and then the book picks up like eight or ten years later with the survivors of the shooting afterwards, who are oh. being hunted down um, by a. Um, another person and I won't give it away because one of the mysteries is like is this connected to what happened before or whatever um but it it's not quite a second chance romance but it is a like shared trauma we went through the same thing and are connecting through like healing like we're connecting now through our healing after this horrible traumatic incident um, but it was the first Nora Roberts book I'd ever read, and I enjoyed it a lot. I honestly didn't expect to, but I, I really liked it. Oh, um, I, it, re- well, it reminds me of what, what you're talking about reminded me of it, so I thought I'd ask. Oh, great. Well, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. I am a huge fan of Nora Roberts. I think she is um, a queen. Um, she, I, 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 I just love her. I think she is fabulous um and i have read a good deal of her older um works but i i have not kept up with her so thanks for the the impetus to um jump back in you're welcome uh before we leave you all i just want to do a quick check-in i know that we are all hunkered down and kind of starved for entertainment content media anything to to take our minds off of the you know horrible realities of the world that we live in distract ourselves from the fact that none of us can leave our house uh what what media what pop culture are you consuming right now marin that 
our listeners might be interested in trying or looking into themselves? Um, sure. Yeah. So I um, have been rewatching quite a bit of The West Wing um, with my husband, Pete, the co-host of Martha's other podcast, because um, he has never seen um, the later seasons of it. So we are watching season six and seven, um, and that has been really great um, media comfort food. Um, so I'd highly recommend it. It is still for the time being on Netflix. I don't believe it's staying. I think it's maybe staying through the end of the year on Netflix. I know there's like a, um, an end. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. The later seasons of the West Wing. And then the other one I've really gotten into lately, um, are all the Bon Appetit cooking shows on YouTube. They're so nice. They're so lovely. They're um, so soothing. So I have been watching, i never seen before the reverse engineering series. Um, so that's been a ton of fun um, uh, in which a chef try, is given a dish that he can't look at. He can only eat um, and then he has to recreate it. And it is great. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I have been rewatching True Blood on HBO. Um, oh. because I realized, well, I didn't realize I have known this. I never actually finished it. I watched the first three seasons as they aired on TV and then kind of fell off. I think what happened is that I graduated from college and no longer had free access to HBO. Um, so I'm starting at the beginning. I'm almost done with season one. This show is bananas, uh, <laughs> but it is truly, it is truly bonkers in like a comforting way. Like, I, I know exact part of it is probably that I, I know I have a pretty good memory of how the first season plays out, but it's like horror comfort food. <laughs> I called it I called it a warm blanket of bananas. <laughs> I, um, think, I, I don't think I have seen more than the first season. Um, yeah, that's well, it. if you have amazing. HBO go. It is. It's short. It's short seasons. They're only twelve to thirteen episode mm-hmm. seasons. So, okay. How um, many seasons are there? I don't care for um seven. I think. Okay. Okay. I don't care for Westworld. So as Bill watches his oh. newly airing prestige TV, I'm watching my <laughs> long since finished prestige TV. Um, I also, the first episode of a new podcast that I loved quite a bit came out last week called Home Cooking. Oh, I'm so excited for that. Yes. So it is hosted by Salmon Nosrat of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat fame, and also Rishi Hirway of the West Wing Weekly fame, and also Sound Exploder. Um, And their first episode is on all the different things you can do with beans. Uh, I think the the whole deal with the podcast is them taking home cooking questions from people about like stuff that you've had in your fridge for a long time or like as we are all kind of limited in how often we can go to the grocery store um, and just how you can continue to eat in a way that is exciting and healthy and delicious. Um, it is, again, I'm all about comfort food media right now and it is the very definition of comfort food. I'm going to make lentils this week, completely inspired by this <laughs> podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah, that is that is definitely on my on my docket. I have some blank check I want to get to first, but yeah, I I'm very excited for that. 
our next episode, when we return to you, we are going to be watching a movie that is streaming on Netflix. Um, it is called Be Somebody. And we will be back in two weeks. Uh, until then, if you are uh, looking for stuff to listen to, you can check out Did You Do Your Homework, which updates on the same feed as this podcast on alternating Wednesdays and is hosted by myself and Marn's husband, Pete. Uh, you can find us online on social media everywhere at DYDYH podcast. You can follow me per personally on social media everywhere at magical Martha, uh, including a newsletter, which I used to write about bi-monthly have not written in a while. Might be about time for an update, uh, but that gets updated pretty much whenever I feel like it. You can find that at tinyletter.com backslash magical Martha. Uh, Marin, where can people find you? Yeah, folks can find me on Twitter um, at a underscore star underscore danced, um, where especially lately I feel like I've been tweeting quite a bit about uh, romance novels and romance landia, um, as that has been a um, solace for me in these surreal times. Um, but I, I frequently tweet about rom-coms and romance novels, um, as well as politics and the state of Minnesota, and there's usually some map content thrown in there as well. So Delightful. We will see you all next week. Uh, and until then, just remember that we love ya. is going to use my freaking out about Bill oh, startling he's... me as the cold open. Is oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing I don't listen to my own podcast. <laughs>